The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, talking some more baseball on the Sunday night. Come join us. Welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are back for another week. Uh, Jeff, it, uh, Jeff, it's February. It's time to talk about baseball. Uh, if you guys can please rate or review, rate or review the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. We are sponsored by WinBet. We appreciate them for their sponsorship all year long on, on all of our podcasts. Uh, Mr. Erickson, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. Um, tired. I, you know, for good reasons. I had friends in town. Even gallivant, gallivanting the world with friends. It's tough. Yeah. Joe Sheehan uh, was in town and my good friend, Jason Gray, uh, formerly from ESPN now with the Rays was in town and we were doing some golfing. And then I had a, I, my adult league soccer league fired back up this evening. So uh, I played soccer tonight. Um, so that was good too. Um, so yeah, but it's a little tiring also, but that's okay. Uh, I'm excited to talk baseball. I'm, I'm excited we're back. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great schedule this week. I'm doing a couple of other uh, uh, hosts podcasts this week, jumping on with Howard Bender to talk Bengals going to be on with Matt Williams this week. Uh, and then on Thursday, I'm hosting Reds, Reds. Uh, what's a uh, consolation podcast, basically like, Hey, at least the Bengals are good. Uh, that's what we'll be talking about, but that, and uh, you know, lockout, oh, but I'm going to have Doug Dennis. I'm going to have nice. Jenny Butler and Clay Link on. So that's going to be a fun one on Thursday. We're looking forward to that. And of course, Fred and I are on on Tuesday. So lots of baseball talk. I did the uh, I did the pitch con with Jenny Butler. And it was a lot of fun. She's uh, she's really really good. Good NFBC player, so it was yeah. fun too. Uh, I never I never actually talked with her that long about baseball, so it was it was it was really fun to do it with her and uh, Vlad Sedler, who obviously you know well. Yeah, um, yeah, it was fun. I have to admit that the, seeing all the nice comments and uh, and posts on on Twitter talking about happy they were back uh, made me feel good. It was uh, you know I'm not uh, I'm not fully into baseball yet, but that uh, definitely pushed me towards uh, you know starting to really ramp it up. And it was it was fun to see that everybody was happy that uh, we were back. So we thank you very much for all the nice comments, everybody listening. Yeah, um, it does mean a lot watching. However, you happen to uh, take in the podcast, we do greatly appreciate it. It was it was it was really fun to see that people were excited to have us uh, to listen to on uh, on Monday mornings and maybe make their Monday morning a little bit better. So, 
Um, obviously, we don't have any news and notes, Jeff. Usually, that's where I start off our podcast. I'm going to go ahead and skip all the news and notes this week. Uh, do a little bit of draft strategy talk. I see some people on uh, on Twitter talking about there's a lot of player talk and not of draft strategy. So I'm going to do a little bit of that, and then we do some player talk. Um, as I've started to really kind of take in the ADPs, I grabbed a bunch of players, and I thought their ADPs were pretty interesting as I was kind of giving it a, a really, you know, my first really uh, deep first glance at the, at the ADPs. So we're talking about a, a number of players that kind of jumped out to me. I kind of want to get uh, your thoughts on them, my thoughts on them, and we'll go from there. But um, we talked a little bit about kind of draft prep and how you start your prep uh, last week. But I was curious. There's a lot of talk online, a lot of talk when we get to person at, uh, in person at uh, events in Vegas. How do you – how do you use ADP? It's kind of a controversial topic. Some people are like, oh, these ADP sheep do this. But um, I tend to think it's a pretty valuable resource to use as a tool, not obviously as my draft sheet. But how do you go about uh, using, you know, say the NFBC ADP? So this is an ADP that you can sort by date. This is people that pay a lot of money to to draft. You know, people are not, uh, it's not like a mock draft ADP like we had in the past where, you know, someone would draft Jeremy Brown in the first round just to mess everybody up. Um, these are people that are paying money. These are all uh, all paid drafts. How do you use the NFBC ADP as you do your draft prep and kind of get going in uh, in your drafts here. Well, I mean, the first thing I do is, you know, what I'm doing on like, say for instance, you know, looking at projections, make sure I don't forget anybody. You know, yeah. that that's a simple thing there. Go team <laughs> by team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, here's this. You know, here, here's this guy that's going at 450. Okay, that's that's worth a projection. He's been drafted in all but two leagues, or you know, I I, I try to get like the all like at least the top 600 projected. I don't have, you know, I don't do, I do it stupidly hand, hand by hands. And eventually I want to get over 800, 900 guys. And I'll try to get all those there. But, you know, early on, uh, like in December, I want to get those, I want to make sure the top 500 are accounted for. I'm going to have like 600 or so, but some guys are going to be different than my rankings. And I'll be like, oh, maybe I should look at this guy and maybe I should give him a better, better projection now. And it's weird this year, though, because we have so many guys unsettled, so many teams, you know, so many moves still need to be made. But that's the first thing I do. Uh, I think another way ADP is handy is just it gives you a ballpark figure when certain categories are scarce, when certain runs are going to begin. Uh, you know, yeah. Closers. Everybody's talking about closers right now and for good reason. Uh, and you just have to realize that the type of drafts that you're in. We This is Another thing we covered, you know, if it's, uh, as you mentioned earlier, if it's a draft champions, a draft and hold type of league, they're going to go higher. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I, it'd be nice to know that. I'm, I'm starting up TGFBI this week. You got your, I think we got our yogurt assignments this week. So it doesn't start till the 28th, right? Okay. We just got our assignments. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, if it starts, if it starts tomorrow, I'm really in trouble. Okay. Crap. My bad. I just assume that we're starting because we got our assignments. I mean, but yeah. Okay. Uh, good. I'm do. I am doing one with the speakers for first pitch Arizona. It's also uh, oh, nice. a draft champions, you know, labor 15 team labor is coming up at uh, on the 22nd. So, you know, this is a, this will be good to kind of get an idea on some of these runs a little bit there. You know, labor is different because it's a standalone league and there is trading. So it's different, but nonetheless, it, it gives you a ballpark figure on vol- uh, value a little bit there. Uh, do you, do you find yourself like you're at the draft table you know, you've obviously got your rankings, you made your projections, so you're pretty secure about what you like and don't like. But if you get if you get here and you're like, oh, you're in a round, you're like, this guy's 20 past ADP. Does that enter in your head? How much do you get sucked into that thinking? Uh, what catches my eye is I'm, if my ranking slash projection spits out something that's like 75 above ADP yeah. or, you know, worse yet, I'm in a draft and you know, he's gone 75 below my ranking and it's still there. It's like, okay, well, what, what am I missing here? Right. It does encourage me to dig in a little bit more. Um, And like, 
But and sometimes I walk away like, okay, there's nothing wrong here. I like the projection. Let's keep going. Let's roll. Let's take them. Other times, like, oh, oh, I better change that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There. But like, if you're actually in a draft and you're and you get to you know someone slips two rounds past ADP, are you like, are you looking at that? Like, you obviously look at the news, see if something's wrong with the person. But do you let that enter your thinking? Like, is this like you know quote unquote good value now, or are you taking who you want to take? Do you how much do you get sucked into that? Because every once in a while, I do. I hate to admit it, but there's times where I'm like. You know, everybody in the world's picking this guy. He's 30 picks past. You know, it, maybe it's time to snap him up here. Unless you're not looking at it at all and you put like a little piece of tape over the ADP <laughs> column in the draft right. room, yeah. um, it's impossible not to look at it, right? It and it's impossible not to at least let that little synapse fire. Uh, I tried it. You know, we all say, oh, no, I'm independent of that. Yeah, I think it, you know, that and right. default cues are, are, you know, naturally sure. going to affect you. And I think default cues are now by ADP, so it's kind of like become one and the same. Of but, course, yeah, exactly. So what I do is that when I when I'm doing draft prep, I you know I I you, know, you and I talk about this a lot. We know enough that uh, we know kind of generally where ballparkish, you know, who's good, who's not good, and all that. But when I dig, dig into a player, you know, if I'm doing my looking at first base, I, I'll look at everything, I'll do all my research, and then I'll look at ADP at the end and kind of feel get a feel for like, oh, that's about where I thought he'd be, or that's you no, know, I can maybe that's a target for me, maybe that's a fade for me. That's it, it more is like a. I'm, it sounds simple and stupid, but I'm trying to, you know, find guys that I like more than the norm and like less than the norm. And it's just kind of how I'm, how I'm drafting is I'm doing that. So I, I, I only use it at the end, but I only use it for a figure out, you know, I really like this guy. He's going to pick 90, you know, maybe I need to think about it in the fifth round because I don't want to lose this person. It's just really a guide for me to know, you know, if I'm targeting someone, how much do I need to go up? If I'm not targeting someone, you know, right. what is the point where the, the guy can go past where I like him? where I'm like, ah, oh, finally just take them. I mean, there are players that I won't take at all, but, um, you know, everybody's got a price. But uh, for me, it's usually, it's mostly just a tool to kind of figure out, um, you know, who I like better than, than the pack. And that's really important to me when I'm drafting. Yeah, well, and, and I think the other thing is that there's a quantity that you need. And, you know, yeah. you know, obviously a lot of talk about lately on draft strategy, game theory, about not having to need something. But if there is, like, if you do, uh, then you need to, know what's logical or what's realistic now someone can jump that and as we saw like you know like the the, the high priced uh, draft champions leagues that we've seen a couple times you get some you know high profile players and they're you know it was like a jump fest adp jump fest and uh you know you got to be aware that that's possible that can happen and you rely on that too much you can get screwed uh but it also can be like okay yeah i need to go get yeah closer x i need to get a stolen base person y uh, you know, it's funny. I, I joked last week about like I, I putting myself in a position where I had to get Miles Straw. Well, I feel better about Miles Straw after listening to MLB Moving Averages and uh, you know talking about uh, you know him talk John talking about uh, Straw, especially Straw versus Edmund. I actually have both, and so felt better about one and worse about the other. But by the way, check out John. He he, he does great work. Yeah, I like the. Uh, I heard this on a podcast, and I did, don't disagree, or I disagree, and here's why. Like as long as it's presented. Well, and someone comes back. I, I like, we all agreed on this stuff. I think it'd be really boring. Right. So I, I like when I, you know, when I don't agree with someone smart, I, A, I kind of like that because it's fun. And B, you know, makes me think about, uh, you know, am I missing something here? And I kind of go back and not necessarily change my mind, but I, I certainly take a second look and see if I'm maybe missing something that I didn't see the first time through. But sure. as you are doing your projections, looking at, uh, looking at uh, your rankings and stuff, what, what stats are you kind of looking at? We have an overabundance of stats right now. Is there, is there certain ones that you're honing in on right now that uh, you're really, uh, really kind of focus on as you're making your projections i wish i had an answer for you there i don't i don't have that one stat the magic bullet stat i mean i think that's dangerous to have that but at the same time 
I mean, I, I mean, we always look at strikeouts, I think, with pitchers. I mean, any sort of strike, strikeout-related stat is have you moved? Have you moved from strikeouts per nine to strikeout percentage? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I finally uh, did a couple of years. I, did, I, I was very stubborn about it, but I finally did a couple of years ago. I mean, just it makes sense. But just like thinking in your head of, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's elite took a while to kind of that uh, recalibrate. That is still difficult for me. You yeah. know, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I the benchmarks are different. But the benchmarks have also shifted, too. Yeah, it's true. You know, I did my pitching category targets article uh, last week. And, you know, it's like, well, actually, strikeouts barely went down. But that's more of a usage thing and not less, and, you know, people are striking out just as much. But because pitchers aren't going as deep into games and all that we're not getting you know our benchmarks for actually what what we needed to hit for that 80th percentile were actually lower uh than they were in 2019 last year doesn't count but you know uh you know 2018 was actually kind of what is a better analog but even that it's it's a little slightly lower but uh some something to watch watch for there but see what changes i think uh if we do go universal dh if and when we ever have a season uh I was sorry. I was told I'm not allowed to be negative, so I'm 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 not going with that. Who was who told you that? I'm totally kidding. I was having a I was having a, a productive conversation with uh, with Mike Curlin on Twitter just about negativity versus positivity versus realism, and it was uh, you know he was saying he doesn't want people to be negative, and I was saying I get annoyed. I, I just a general life thing. I get annoyed by kind of uh, you know just positivity for no reason, blind positivity, and that's not what Mike was doing. But he was just you know trying to get everybody to be a little more positive. So I'm uh uh, realistically, I think it's I think it's pretty bad, but I'm gonna try and just uh, kind of hope it gets worked out. But I was, so uh, but I'm, I was I'm, pretty, I'm kidding. I'm kidding on the negativity though. I'm I was pretty optimistic until last week. Uh, even, I mean, I wasn't optimistic, but I was still like hopeful. Uh, that's dwindling, uh, See, without I'm, a doubt in my mind. I'm a little scarred. My like my like first big break in life was getting a job with the A's in 94 and my internship got cut short by like six weeks because of the, because of the strike. Yeah. And, you know, they stopped the season. I was that August 12th. And it was just the worst of like the middle of September when, before I went back to college. And it's just like, so I'm a little, I'm a little jaded. And I kind of saw how a front office worked in that environment too. And mm-hmm. how they were, I mean, we were, we were selling, trying to sell season tickets and rest of year tickets like the day before. And they knew it was not going anywhere good. And we just right. still like, I just, I so I'm a little jaded by my experience in, in that world. And I just, I just know how these te- sides hate each other, but we're not going to get any good news until we have to get some news. And I don't think we have to get the news, some news for about a, probably about a month there. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw that the owners are going to have their meeting this week and probably try to generate an offer out of that. But I mean, I, just, I think it comes down to, them. I think it comes down to how many owners want to get this done and how many owners are fine chilling for a while. And, and I don't know how many owners are hard bent on breaking the union, yeah. like completely, even though they've won the last couple of agreements, like, yeah. In a landslide. But I just don't know where that – I don't know what that breakdown is. I know there's some on each side. Um, mm-hmm. you got to figure some of the bigger teams that make a bunch of money in April and May. Like, they got to – you know, they, they're going to be lesser inclined than someone like the A's who, you know, don't make any money in April because nobody goes to the games, really. I mean, right. It's, so, it's a different – and they still have to pay salary and all that. So, it's a – it'll be an interesting breakdown of, you know, who really cares about starting this in time. And some owners, I'm, I'm sure, don't. I think you're probably right about that there. Sorry to sidebar you there, but Oh, uh, hey, no worries. I, uh, I sidebar myself by making a joke and then I went into a bad place, but yeah. um, what do you do with uh, like hard hit metrics? There's a lot of, you know, stuff online about, you know, what hard hit makes people use. Um, I maybe use it a little more than, than most. I'm uh, I'm, I'm one who I really like the extremes with hard hit metrics. Like if someone's really, you know, top 10% or bottom 10%, I take a lot of weight in that. Like kind of the middle, I feel moves around a lot. You know, if you're a 40% hard hit versus 43 versus 37, I don't take a lot of weight into that. But if someone's in the high forties and the fifties, or, you know, we talked about guys that are really down to the low, low end, you know, consistently in the low end consistency plus extreme. 
um, I look at that a lot. But uh, where are you with that? I mean, these are fairly new numbers. You know, I think we're still trying to figure out, you know, if what if max exit velocity means more than average exit velocity, a lot of people think it does. Um, what do you do with that kind of stuff? Barrel rate, hard hit rate, that sort of thing. So I look, I look to see, you know, if the bar is pinging one way or another towards the extremes, like you alluded, uh, do I have like what by rote, what, what, what is good numerically and what is not, not necessarily, but I I mean, I can just, I can see like anybody else. Oh, this is 95th percentile. Oh, that's good. You know, and that, that's kind of what I look for a little bit there. And yeah, the extremes matter. I mean, Kevin Biggio taught us a lesson there. Um, And, you know, so that's the sort of thing. And I want to pay better heed to that because that, that was someone I probably should have crossed off my list last year and I did not. Um, So you know, I think some. I think I occasionally fall into the trap of conv- wanting to convince myself that this doesn't apply to this guy because of why? Because I like him. Right. No, that that's not a good approach. Uh, you need to look at the data and uh, see. Okay, do I like him after looking at all of that? Yeah, I think I've gotten a little better about that. I I had to really get there with that too because I get stuck on. Oh, I like this guy, and I'm like, I can kind of massage and everything, convince myself, and I've tried to like look at it in a more, little more, uh, you know, an even playing field and, and figure it out. But I, I also like extremes, but I also like guys who've taken steps up. Like if someone is, you know, hitting a ball a little harder than the year before, harder than the year before, and they kind of take, you can see that step up. Maybe you can can see that they're you know kind of breaking off into a new level. I, I look at that too, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun. It's hard because we have we have you know so many more stats than we had ten years ago. It used to be ten years ago you had like you know ten drafts of an ADP and then you know the basic stats and a little bit of metrics and stuff. But I mean, it's the the stat cast stuff has just completely you know kind of changed the the way everybody looks at stuff. Right, it has, and you know just that there are so many people out there that are ahead of me on that, and I realize I I, I mean I can look it up, but when you're under the clock in the main or any or the online championship, you can't do a deep deep dive on a player while you're looking at 17 other players i mean i've tried to by the way it doesn't work very well no i mean it's a disaster if you have any sort of attention deficit issues um you know it's you know you gotta do your your time ahead you know do the put in the time ahead of time yeah i mean you've got it when you've got when you're doing a live draft and you got a minute on the clock you need to know who you want to take before you get to your pick because if you're trying to figure out that spot you're just you're just dead in the water right there yeah of course uh, there was a, a tweet I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Jake Halusker, who's a Rotosaurus in the high stakes, he's yeah. really good NFBC player. Commented that he he looked at the top 150 and he like kind of split it split it into players that he wanted. He pretty much were targets, you know, guys he liked at ADP or before guys that he you know with the right roster build maybe he wouldn't end up taking a little bit after ADP. And the names he fully crossed off his list is not drafting. He ended up split to about a third. He had like 50. I mean, I'm using numbers, but it was like 38. percent It was like essentially a third in each of those buckets. Do you? Cross guys off like that because I, I read that he's obviously a really good player. Um, you know, I maybe have five, ten guys in the top one fifty. Like, there's no way I'm ending this guy because everybody likes him more. We talked a ton about Victor Robles last couple of years. Like, there was no way I was taking him before he was going to the draft. But I have to admit, it's not. It's nowhere near fifty, and it's probably more like the ten that I'm like, there's no way. And the other guys, other players, I'm like, well, maybe if it uh, you know kind of works out, it depends on what I need in the draft. But I was uh, a little surprised by how big a, a number that was. Do you uh, do you fully cross names off? How are you about like? Do not draft guys. I'm more like you. Um, I've, you know, we've heard Casey Cha talking about this. Yeah, we've he heard other good players talking about this. It's a great idea and it's incredibly freeing, I imagine. It it's, yeah. helps you focus. And, you know, what it does, I think, is it helps you plan out rounds too. If you know you're not taking these 17 other players, well, okay, now that narrows my range to these other 10, right? Especially if you need a certain quantity, certain category, certain type of position. Well, now all of a sudden, okay, there's only these three in this this 
in this that fit this category. Okay, I better better take one now. Um, and that, that that's I, I think that's I think it's advisable. I think it's a really it's really good advice. But it does require that you you really have you know you just like oh yeah or whatever you know you you start don't get getting in a crossing off fest without really diving on the player. Right? But again, all these you know Jake you know all these players are putting in the time. Yeah. They are doing that. And it's, you know, a, it's, it's an extreme it's, knowledge of player pool to be able to get to the point where you, you know, there's 50 guys you don't want. Mm-hmm. I think and that's it, right. And it probably gets you out of that. The problem we we're talking about earlier, where he's like, Oh, this guy's 20 after ADP. Maybe I should take him. And, you know, if you're done, you're doing a draft list. Then that probably doesn't matter at that point. Cause you're not taking him anyway. And you, uh, you have your conviction there. I probably am a little, uh, I do. I think I'm with you. I think you do a little more of that. I tend to get to the point where I'm like, Oh, you know, at the right place, I take this guy. And, um, you know, the, the times I've gotten myself in trouble in drafts, it's not really, you know, I do my research, I put my time in, I got to, you know, take the guys that I have found that I really like rather than just taking who's there. And I think that would probably uh, a little step towards making me a better player if I were to do a little more of the crossing off the thing that, uh, so maybe I I'm going to try and get in that a little bit, I think, and really figure out, uh, you know, I don't want this guy, you know, sure. If he drops eight rounds, sure. But that never happens in the main event. Someone's going to like him um, and not getting myself kind of sucked I- into the point that I'm like, oh, I'm just going to grab him now. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think so. I think some of this though is subconscious. We do it, but we just don't like codify it. It's probably true. Yeah, when I mean, we talk about enough players that I know, there's probably more than I think that I'm I'm not going to end up with, and you know, someone will like them more than I do. But uh, it's probably a really good practice, and it's probably a really good way to really get in the player pool and figure some stuff out, at least in the first ten rounds there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's talk about some players. But first, a note from our sponsors at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire: it's making good decisions, and even even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more all at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try and head it back around. WinBet is currently available in eight states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, all were rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire lists a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Jeff, as I was kind of looking at uh, looking at players and kind of really starting to delve into ADP, there were a bunch of names that kind of jumped out to me that either I was surprised they were so early, surprised they were so late, or just kind of thought they were intriguing guys to talk about at their ADP. So I was going to fire through a bunch of them here if that uh, that works all right for you. I like it. Let's go. Good. Uh, I kind of I kind of left out the first uh, top forty or so because you know everybody knows those guys, but there's one guy here I want to talk about. It's just someone that sticks out for based on how high he's going. Is Kyle Tucker? He's uh, ADP is twelve point one. Uh, for ADP for this discussion, I used the last three weeks in FPC, so that, that was 71 drafts. So a pretty good number while also making it recent enough that, uh, you know, recent moves and stuff are taken in there. Um, in his tw- 2021 was his Tucker's first full season, 294, 30 home runs, 14 stolen bases, 83 runs, 92 RBIs, obviously a huge year. Um, hard hit rate's nice, 47%. Barrel rate's over 11%, really good there. Uh, really nice strikeout drop. He's down to 15.9%, dropped his swinging strike rate under 10%. So a lot of stuff that shows that you know, Kyle Tucker's a guy that everybody loved for a long time. We're just trying to wait for him to get his playing time. Some of the Astros really kind of slow played him, get up there. But now he's in the lineup. He's there every day. But the price is fully priced. It's 12.1. I mean, you're taking him over Mike Trout. You're taking him over um, Mookie Betts. You're taking him over Luis Robert. Uh, I guess it's Robert now. He finally fixed it back to the way we thought it was originally. So really? Luis Robert. Yeah, I never he, heard that. Yeah, Where he changed he it. From? He said, I found a story. He says he prefers Robert, which is always the way we thought it was. And then someone said it was Robert, but now it's back to Robert. So I prefer right. Robert. So I'm going to go with that. But I mean, you're taking him over really good stud players. You're taking him over, um, you know, a Walker Bueller, Max Scherzer, like the type of starting pitchers that are at that range too. Um, I guess my main thing with him is uh, obviously he's really good. Uh, do you think the stolen bases stay? Because the Astros have kind of, you know, pulled back on stolen bases. Guys, uh, you know, start to get into their careers. They don't really run a ton. You know, Altuve ran a lot, then stopped. But Tucker's still young enough. Maybe he does. Sprint speed's only 60th percentile, so I don't think he's a, you know, a 25 stolen base guy, but he was 14 last year. Um, so where are you on Tucker at, at pick 12? I mean, I look at his stat cash page, try and poke holes. Um, stat cash page looks really good. It all kind of lines up, but the, the price is uh, legit. Yeah, a um, couple of things. You yeah. know, about the running. 14 of 16, only got caught twice. Eight of nine the year before. Five for five the year before that. Right. You know, I, you know I, I, why would they Why would they stop him from running? I mean, I don't think – I think there's more to uh, stolen bases than just sprint speed, obviously. It's reading the pitcher, getting the great jump, picking the right time. Seems like he's in the uh, circle of trust there. Uh, I'd say, I think the one concern for me with Tucker, and it might change this year um, because he's more established, because Correa's gone – about six, like six or lower, like a hundred games last year out of the 140. Um, I don't think that continues. Uh, I mean, by default, he's moving up one step, assuming Correa signs elsewhere. We don't know that for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's probably going to be the case. Uh, 
unless ask the Astros go out and sign somebody else that's dynamic that's out on the free agent market. Um, I think he's going to he'll move up at least one peg. Uh, but the counting stats might hurt because of that a little bit there. The lineup might be a little lesser, and if he's batting towards the bottom of that, I mean, I, I, we don't want that. But I think you're right. I think he's fully priced. Uh, but then again, the first round, do you want guys that are – do you have to have a profit at pick 1.12, or is is a building block okay? I mean, I think a building block that doesn't get hurt is kind of all I'm looking for usually. And obviously you don't mm-hmm. know about the hurt part, but it's like whenever I think about first round pick, if you just give me 550 plate appearances, I'm going to be happy. They're all going to be studs. Um, you, the batting order thing is a pretty good point though. I'm looking at their, at their, you know, if they want to go right, left, right, left, right, left, he's sixth again right now. Like roster resource, I'm just looking right now, has him sixth. Granted, Michael Brantley, you know, could get hurt anytime and suddenly he's hitting second or third and that changes a lot. But Or they just flip-flop him and Tucker. They could easily do that because yeah. Brantley's another year older. You know, he's post-peak, uh, theoretically at least. And Tucker's like, you know, he he's firmly established now. There's no doubt about him. They're not going to screw around with him. You know, we'll see. I mean, Dusty might change things a little bit there. Dusty likes his players to run, though, too. That's the other thing that I'm not really worried about him uh, running. So I, I'm, I, I think... If if healthy, he should run a lot. So I'm not worried about that much. But uh, and you Michael know, Brantley was pretty damn good last year, though. I know. I am. I, I know that higher but, higher uh, average and higher OBP than Tucker. True. Fairness, less power, um, and For sure. a little bit, you know, and a little bit more defensively uh, handicapped now a little bit too. So that might mean fewer times where he starts or something like that too. Uh, although there might not be a DH issue anymore. You might be even in L parks. It might have a DH. We'll yeah. see. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm okay. I, I, I've done four 12 team drafts and I, I haven't drafted towards the back end, but when I do this first pitch, Arizona speakers draft, I'm going to be in the, I think 13th spot. So he'll be squarely in my crosshairs um, there. If I don't take a picture. So do you take him? I mean, obviously you don't have to answer it until you do it, but do you take him over trout and bets right now? Trout, yes. Betts, maybe not. I, I think Betts is underpriced. Um, you just like Buki because he's playing the golf tournament this weekend. Is pretty he? Good, pretty good swing. No, he played. I played a Pebble this weekend. Pretty good swing. Did he? Too. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. him. Uh, I bet. I, I'll be honest. I didn't watch much beyond Thursday's round. Uh, I watched a little today, but uh, you know, the thing is, he had he had a hip issue last year. He had forearm. He had a back stomach flu. You know, all. The negative is okay. Those could come back this year, but the I think the positive spin is look. He, he was hampered last year and likely to bounce back on a great offense. Still, if they add another bat, even better. Yeah. You know, I you know Mookie, Mookie's the guy that was you know a top five pick, and yep. now he's going, you know, later, much later. You know, I'm going to be pretty tempted to take him a lot of times. I've I got him at like two point eight i want to say in one of my 12 team leagues uh with those nfpc 50s and that was kind of a snap call uh for me at least i i i i i might wait i might take the pitcher and then take mookie in the second given where the you know speaking of looking at the adp that might be a possibility and it's funny that you know we talk about digging deep into players if you would ask me yesterday i would have said oh i take trout and bets before tucker i'm just gonna do it and as i dug into the players i would definitely take tucker before trout and Betts is really close. I love Mookie yeah. Betts, but that's that's a close call for me that I have really I have to probably get pushed into making to make it. But I mean, you look at Tucker's year last year, and it was better than Mookie's last full season, which is 2019. Better than Mookie in 2021. Um, so yeah, Tucker was really good last year, and it's all yeah, very was. supported and all. It's all 
it's a, it's all a little better and fully supported more than I thought it was uh, kind of a, you know, I knew he was really good, but um, I think he's worth that 12th, uh, 12th pick. And I don't, uh, it was someone that I thought maybe I'd be a fade at that price. And that as I dug in deeper, I don't think I am. Uh, I tend to agree with you. That's why we, why we look at players, right? Mm-hmm. So the next guy is one that uh, I had to uh, bring up because you're, uh, you're doing this with me is Sandy Alcantara who uh, you uh, nailed last year. You, I think you loved him the last two years. You nailed him the last two years. It was that we didn't talk about your guys. I think you actually brought him up on the podcast when we did the right. guys podcast with Scott Pianowski last year. Um, he was one of your guys. You uh, you've fully nailed him. He's now back. He's now fully priced. He's a third round pick. He's gone way up. Um, 3.1 on the area last year, 1.07 whip and 205 innings, like through a lot of innings. Um, the K's aren't huge, but they're up to 24%. He throws 205 innings. So that obviously solves a lot of the K problems when you, you throw that bulk of innings. Um, he was nine and 15 last year, which obviously, uh, you know, we can't really control. He can't really control, but he's still in the Marlins and mm-hmm. he, you know, he had nine wins last year when he was really, really good. So that is a, Hey, you know, wins are still one of our four categories for starters. So we got to think about it a little bit. But uh, where are you on Alcantara now at the at the new price? And is it Alcantara, Alcantara? I always mess it up. I think it's Alcantara. At least that's what I go with there. There was an A's guy that was Alcantara, and it just messed me up forever now, not knowing which one's which. Well, right. And there's the Red Sox, Izzy Alcantara, too. Uh, who, uh, is he the one that kicked the catcher? Yes, the, yes, yeah, right. the judo kick. And then charge the mound after that. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, not really. Kids don't do that. We're thinking about the kids, Scott. Uh, no, uh, it's fine. Uh, I think he's overpriced a little bit, and I hate saying that because I love him. But first of all, don't. I I was only an, an adapter of James Anderson's love for him. I just was persuaded by James and went after it. After that, I, I looked at, looked into him a lot more after James talked about him. Here's the positive. I mean, the velocity even went up last year despite all those innings. Uh, velocity typically will strikeouts. His strikeout, you know, swing stri- strike rate, or his strikeout percentage was only like twenty four percent still. So, could he, he theoretically could unlock another level, uh, but hasn't yet. I think there's some regression coming just a little bit. Uh, I think that you know, just looking like the base runners allowed. I think he's gonna add a few more here, uh, here and there. But I mean, man, that 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 fastball is beautiful. 97.9 average fastball velocity last year. Uh, I think the team context will be incredibly frustrating again. Um, and it was super frustrating. How the, how the hell he lose 15 games? That's crazy. He lost like, I swear there were like 10 games where he gave up one or two runs and lost. Yeah. And it was, it was, and then he had a couple of really obliterations too. One, one in cores, which you could expect another against the Dodgers, which you could also expect, but they were really both Awful, awful outings. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the swing strike and the strikeout. The strikeouts went up a little bit, but swing strike really jumped up. He was it did ten and a half percent guy in 2018, 2019, and 2020, 13.3% last year. So they uh you're right. There might be another another, another level to those strikeouts, is definitely possible. Yeah. Um I, I doubt he throws as many innings this year. I think you would kind of expect him to backtrack a little bit. It's hard to project 205 innings, but the the tough part for me with him is you look at ADP and you kind of look at like who's you know who who am I making the decision between? And Aaron Knowles right ahead of him, and Lucas Gilo is right behind him. That's uh, he's he's in prime company all of a sudden. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, and I, I think I've settled on Giolito, or not settled on. I've, I've been I jumped at the chance of getting him in like the fourth round of a 12 or you know it's like okay. Yeah, and although he wasn't perfect, he was a little frustrating here and there, but I, I'm still still there for that. Yeah, I am. I am too. I, I like 
Alcantara, but I'd probably go Gilo and Nolo before him, which means I'm probably not going to get him many times because I'll probably have to make that decision. Unless he was the, he's the last guy left and it, I happen to be after it maybe, but uh, I take the other two guys first. Another guy in that range is Urias. Uh, what, what's your thought on him? Uh, I always like him. I think that, I mean, last year was obviously, you know, you talked about t- key team context and, you know, he had the similar uh, similar numbers to Alcantara, but won 20 games. So it's, a, you know, obviously a huge difference playing the Dodgers. But um, I just love the, I love the elite control. I love, uh, I love everything about uh, Urias. And I just, I would go Urias over, definitely over Alcantara, probably over Gilito and yeah, probably over Nola too. So I, I'm lower on the crowd on him. Uh, although right. I'm looking at it, I'm, why is that? I'm trying to figure out why. Um, actually, I, I think I'm. Well, I, I think my whip projections off on him. I'm, I'm going to write that down as whip. Uh, um, fix he that was, because he was 1.02 last year at whip. Right, and I've got. He also took. He took a big. Right. He took a big jump down in his walk rate last year. I think I need to. I think I baked in some regression, but I messed up somewhere there. It might be innings. Uh, uh, you know, I, what, I, 1.2 I re- is a little high. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think he should be like 110 or so. Um, yeah, and that, that would include 108, 115, and 102 the last three years. Yeah. Do you think he, you know, do you think he goes another like 180 innings again? Or, uh, you know, is that something? Because didn't he like kind of wear down in the playoffs? I'm trying to remember. Um, I think it's because they had him. No, I know why. It's because they had him relieve. Uh, they've had him like. Didn't they have him like close out? They did, yeah. What? Like he closed out the World Series the year before. No, no. Oh, it was game two of the NLCS. He pitched the eighth inning, and that didn't they work did, out they so fit, well. I fit, they, they were like they were trying to be. They tried too hard. It seemed like they tried yeah. too hard last year. But well, because Max wasn't available, and so that yeah. threw off everything for them. And then plus they they used Max to close out game five yep. uh, against the Giants. So yeah, that's probably they were all out of sequence there. Did Max do the pitch that was the check swing to Wilmer Flores? Is that who was he was closing that game? Yes. Okay. I still have Giants fans who say the series hasn't ended yet, so it's. Uh... Yeah, I, I figured you were kind of just kind of. <laughs> yeah. I say something. I say something like, "Oh, you guys lost the Dodgers." Like, oh, people say, "Like the series hasn't ended yet." I'm like, "Dude, come on, stop." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to throw 210 innings, but yeah, I put him at a, a probably 180 again. I think that they. Uh, you know, they kind of got off the babying of him last year. Finally, he went mm-hmm. 185 innings, and I think that's probably a pretty good, pretty good mark to go to. Yeah. Next guy I want to ask you about is someone who ADP was 20 last year. Uh, it's Francisco Lindor. ADP's dropped to 49 off the uh, off the rough first year with the Mets. Uh, hit 230 last year. Still had 20 home runs. Still had 10 stolen bases. Uh, career high K rate, but also the walk rate is a career high. Uh, a lot of hard contact though. His career high hard, hard hit rate forty four percent. Barrel raised up to eight point two percent. Babbitt was two forty eight. Career's two ninety two. You got to think that that uh, regresses back up a little bit. Sprint speed still about seventieth percentile. Um, I kind of like the new price here. I think he's still twenty eight. I think you're sitting in you know kind of a a year after you signed with a, a big market team. I think he's probably a little more comfortable. Had a lot of stuff going on last year. The Mets are you know surrounding him with some good players this year. Signing some guys. Going to be hopefully going to be in contention. You know, never know with the Mets, but with the injuries and stuff. But um, I like the new price and the uh, what's that? In the fifteen team as the fourth round. Um, I'd be all about him in the fourth round this year. Hundred percent agree. Um, you know, my my friends uh, Rick Wolf and Lane Colton always talk about fading guys after a big contract. You know, in this case, he wasn't a free agent, but obviously, after it was essentially the same. He got yeah. the trade in New York. Signed the big deal after a lot of protracted negotiations. Got to wonder if that weighed on him a little bit there. Uh, there was probably a lot of pressure produced, especially as the Mets started to fall off. 
Uh, and he got hurt too. So there's a lot of things working against him, but he still can run. Uh, you're getting him, you're getting some speed later after the first couple of rounds, first three rounds. And that's hard to find unless you really want to take a chance in like Mondesi or someone, you know, some of the other players like that, that have obvious warts. I, you know, I think batting average is probably never going back to like the 280 range, but it might come back to like 260, 275, even, or 270 maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm on board with him. Yeah, I am too. I mean, he started so badly. His first couple of months were so bad. You could just feel him pressing and, you know, every, he felt like he wanted to do something every time he went up there. So I, I really do like the price. I think that's going to be one that maybe moves up a couple notches as we get to uh, to March and main events and hopefully, you know, start to see some spring training. Um, I think he's one that we'll probably, we'll probably see sneak into the third round in, in some drafts. Uh, next guy is we talked about the Giants in the playoffs. Uh, Logan Webb was a playoff monster for them last year. Big breakout, really good playoffs. It kind of boosted the hype even more. He is fully priced. He's at pick 61 in the ADP. Um, fascinating guy because his his, his uh, ERA last year was 3.03 after a year when it was 5.47. Big bump in the K rate. He, he he's got to change his pitch mix. He threw the he took a slider from fifteen percent to twenty eight percent usage. That pitch was really good for him. Two thirty one slugging against forty seven percent whiff rate in the slider. So he's doing that. Someone that you know, as you dig in deeper, you can see how the five and a half ERA in twenty twenty um, you know moved to the, the the much better numbers in twenty twenty one. Huge bump in his his, his uh, ground ball rate sixty one percent. So you get a guy that's striking guys out now, getting a bunch of ground balls. You have 18 and a half percent fly balls last year. It's hard to give up home runs when nobody hits a fly ball ever. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, that slider is such a Frisbee. I mean, uh, that, that, that's the big thing. Uh, I, I, I'm a little worried that this is like a pop-up career year and might Me regress too. a little hard. Usually predicting regression is usually a pretty good bet, but I don't know, Scott, uh, what if that? I mean, what if the pitch mix and the change, and maybe he changed his slider or something a little bit there, and it, that that's permanent and stays? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I could see. He looked, he, looked pretty, he looked pretty damn good in the playoffs. That's for sure. Yeah, I know Todd Zola is all over Logan Webb at this price. Uh, Todd Todd did a lot of research on him, so maybe uh, there's something to that there. I, I, the fact that I didn't have him last year is probably something that should force me to research more instead of like automatically forming an opinion one way or another. Like, is oh, that, I gotta that, get him or is that better than me dropping him last year? Mm, I mean, he got he was like his first 10 starts were or first six starts were terrible. So he got he got he got hurt, which I, I really liked him and I, I I liked the new pitch. And I, I was someone that I wanted to grab in drafts. I did late, and then he got hurt, and I'm like, oh, someone I took late, I can't hold him right now. And that mm-hmm. uh, that blew up pretty badly in my face. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all we all make mistakes. Yeah, you're gonna have if you don't have a bad drop at some point, it probably means you weren't aggressive enough to steal a Scott Kanowski right. line again. Sorry to name drop him twice in the same podcast, but um, I always like that quote. It's uh, you know he uh, you know he got hurt. He was he missed all of June. It's not like he was out a week and a half. He missed. He pitched May 29th and pitch, didn't pitch again until July 9th. That's a long time out to hold somebody who you know at the time was you know intriguing but not really pitching great. Yeah, I mean you still could have gotten him back. That's the probably. thing. It just didn't. You know. So I made two mistakes then. Dropped him and not get him back. Right. Appreciate you pointing that out. Oh, okay. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Happy to help. Uh, yeah, it's tough because, I mean, it's a, that's a, that's a, like the 4-5 turn in a 15-teamer, the 5-6 turn in a 12-teamer. Um, other pitchers in that range, we've got uh, we've got Chris Sale. We have Freddie Peralta. Uh, we've got Kevin Gosman, Max Freed. The guy in that range that I probably take over Webb is Max Freed myself. Me too. Um, 
I don't go Gosman in Toronto. I think I go Webb in in San Francisco over Gosman Toronto. That's that's a ten pick ADP range. Like Webb's in a weird spot. Was a couple guys five six picks ahead of him. A couple guys like ten picks behind him. So it's kind of a dead zone starting pitcher right in that exact spot. But um, I go Max Fried ahead of him, and that's eleven picks further. So it might be tough for me to get Webb because I'd probably just take Fried in that spot. I'd agree. Uh, I might even take Gosman over Webb, but uh, I I think. Part of the reason I, I'm okay with Gossman is the pitching coach uh, in Toronto and, you know, and Pete Walker. So, uh, and just the work he's did they, done. Did they do anything good with any pitchers last year? I don't remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little just bit. A little bit. Just a little bit. But Gossman's throwing the tight pants. He'll be good to go. I mean, I am a little worried about the, uh, the contract year thing and all that. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the thing is. Do you try to be smarter than the trend and pick out the guy? Oh, that he's going to be fine with the new contract, or do you just blanket, do, you know, avoid all those guys or not consider it? I mean, these are a lot of different things you can do with that. Uh, I really like Gosman. The the move to ALE scares me I, a little bit. I will admit that it's uh, just always a tough place to pitch, um, but I still like him. I just happen to like Freed and Freed more for sure, and Webb probably a little bit more with San Francisco. Uh, you know, they do they do good stuff with pitchers too, obviously. Clearly. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's jump down a little bit in ADP and talk about a few other guys. But first, a note from our sponsors at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. So, Jeff, we've gotten to the point where there's someone where uh, I look at the ADP every time and I, I just don't see it. I don't get it. It's Dalton Varsho. I think we kind of mentioned him a little bit last week, but didn't really dive in. Uh, I get it. Like, he's projected to be playing center field. He's projected to be hitting the middle of the lineup. You know, if you get a center fielder that's playing every day, eligible catcher. But I think that's fully priced in at his price point now. He's at ADP is 93 right now. So that puts him in the in the seventh round in a in a 15-teamer. Um, you look at last year, 246, 11 home runs, six stolen bases, 95 games. I get if you get 12 stolen bases out of catcher spot, like, that's huge. That, that really makes an impact on where you're, where you're ending up in a league. Uh, hard hit was 39.9% last year, barrel 7.3. Um, he dropped his strikeout rate. He had some, str- some struggles when he first came up. The first couple uh, cups of coffee um, was striking out. He kind of dropped that closer to his minor league rates. Um, the buzz is that comes in is with 2019 numbers in, in double A, 18 home runs, 21 stolen bases in 108 games. I'm not doing it at pick 93. I think it's just a guy who's, you know, has some upside, but just kind of okay. And it feels like a really high price for me. Um, even acknowledging that, you know, if you get 12 stolen bases from catcher, like that's a big edge. 100% agree. I, I I did pick him up in places last year. I also purposely didn't draft him because I wasn't sure he could hit. Uh, and I know the prospect pedigree is there. I'm not. I'm still not sure if he can hit. Uh, I know. I know he was better in the last two months. Uh, you know, but I, I, that's a pretty pretty hefty price to pay. Um, you're really counting on those stolen bases continuing, uh, and they might, but. I don't know. And, you know, does, does he like spend all of his time in the outfield? Is this the last year he'll be catcher eligible? What's the story there? Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you look at their lineup and there's, there's no one that really like, you're like, Oh, well, they think he's going to split time in center field with this person. I guess Jordan Luplo, your boy, Josh Van Meter from Cincinnati is there now, but they don't really have a lot of guys that are, you know, we are worried about jumping in and taking playing time right away. So I guess playing time's there, but 
I like I, it's funny because I, I remember looking. I looked at when I first looked at ADP. I'm like, I wonder where Darton Varsha going. I bet you he's really popular. I bet you his, his ADP is like going to be like 125 or something. And then it's 30 picks higher than even thought I was going to be an elevated ADP. And I just there's no way I'm in at the price. I think that's like 50 slots higher than what I've got him. Maybe even more. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get him either. Probably. I mean, you look at some of the names in that range, and we're talking, you know, Chris Bryant, Will Smith, and Charlie Morton, Cody Bellinger, Hugh Darvish, Stanton. Yeah, the guy we're talking about next, Christian Yelich, like, there's no way I'm taking Dalton Varshow over any of those guys. I agree. I agree. It's um, weird. I, w- I wonder where that price is going to settle in. Obviously, it's a, a lot of drafts that he's going there. So people obviously like him in that spot. And, you know, getting stolen base and catcher is very appealing, but it's not going to be for me. I'll be honest. I'm going to take Grandall over him. I'm yep. going to take Wilson Contreras over him. Uh, yeah, just I looking take, at catcher. I'd take Hebert Ruiz over him. And that's 50 uh, spots. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I haven't fully formed an opinion on Ruiz. Yeah, probably over him. I might even take Christian Vasquez over him. I think he's a bounce back candidate, but we'll see. I mean, he was so bad last year, but uh, he was so good the year before. I, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, that that's going to be a tough call. I'm probably not going to be going after Varsha, though. Yeah, I think just, he's it, too pricey. That ADP sticks anywhere near there. I'm just going to – we're talking about the guys I'm going to cross. I'm not crossing them off, but at that price, there's just no way that I'm yeah. – and there's no way I'm going to take him at that at price. But let's talk about someone we talked about a lot last year is Christian Yelich. Um, I took him in the first round in one of my main events. Uh, that didn't work out especially well. It's a spoiler <laughs> alert there. Disaster of a year as a first rounder. Um, hit 248. The crazy thing is Christian Yelich played 170 games, hit nine home runs. The nine stolen yeah. bases, I get he had back issues almost all year, but nine home runs, I mean, it's just wild. And then it's not just last year. He hit 205 in 2020. Uh, like he was really bad in 2020 also. Granted, in 2018, he won the MVP. 2019, he was second MVP. 2019, he was 329, 44-30. Like the elite of the elite. Um, you know, it was him and him and Bellinger were going back and forth the MVP. Um, the K rate was really crazy in 2020. It was like 31%. You, I had a, you and I had a bet about it. I think I lost the bet. Um, yeah. but He got he, better as the season yeah. went on last year. He was 24% last year. So higher than his elite years, but at least like in a range we can work with. Hard hit rate still good. 40.5% makes me interested there. Barrel rate was only 7.6%, though half of his 2019 number. Uh, the walk rate still strong. He's still only 30. I guess the major question on him is health. I mean, back injuries don't go away. And you worry that, you know, his for, for what he does, stolen base is a big part of his game. And if he has a back injury... Like it's just ha- hard to think that he's going to a want to steal a bunch of bases. The Brewers going to want to steal a bunch of bases either. Um, where are you on Yelich right now? Because the price is obviously way different than it was last year. His AEP is 101. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a enough of a discount that I, if I need that type of profile, I might take a chance on him there. Factors that are negative on him here: the fly ball exit velocity was low, um, like six miles an hour slower. So that that's and and he hit a ton more ground balls. The other thing is the bad back. You know, that was like, he missed like a month. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's an issue. Uh, I mean, it's just, but you're talking about first round upside. If he, if like, mm-hmm. say, you know, if it was the back all along yeah. and it's fine now, well, okay, great. Then you got a huge windfall. It's a, it's a guy I would really want to like watch news reports on him closely uh in in spring training and see like see, if there's normally any this, is where I, this is not normally where i'd say what news reports but i'll get in trouble for being negative so i'm not going to do it but um mm. the fly ball thing's interesting because that was his big deal was like well he hits the ball so hard but he doesn't have a fly ball to be a home run guy and that changed he was 36 percent in 2019 uh, he hit the 44 home runs but you're right he was back to 24 percent last year so you know still hitting the ball hard but 
always on the ground. Um, he's a tough one because you see that 101 price. I think I'm back in at that price. I think if I'm in the – that's a seventh-round pick in uh, – like in a, almost a, like a ninth-round pick in a 12-teamer, seventh-round, a 15-teamer. Um, I think I'm back in based on the fact that he still hit the ball really hard. There's a lot of really good things there, and I think maybe I'm going to go with the, a lot of it was the back, but I am concerned about the stolen bases coming back because I just don't – a guy with a, a guy with a bad back, or even had a bad back in the past, you just don't want to, you know, mess that up with a with a stolen base. That, you know, when you, you're the best hitter in the team and you want him in the lineup, that you know, maybe the team doesn't want him. So maybe he steals. If he steals twelve instead of thirty, that's a pretty big, pretty big deal. James Anderson posted this posed this question to me. I'm going to pose it to you. Yelich right. or Bellinger? That's such a good question. It I'd is. love I'd love to be in a draft where I'm at the turn. I just take both of them. That would be fun. I think that'd be um, so damn fun. Um, I think my answer to that question is Yelich barely based on the fact that uh, I see the 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 hard contact still there and Bellinger fully fell off last year. Uh, they both have injury concerns, Bellinger with the shoulder, uh, Yelich with the back. Um, I think Bellinger's gonna bounce back. I'd love to get I'd love to get both of them. They're both targets for me at their new prices, but I'd probably mm-hmm. go Yelich barely. I'm slightly on team Bellinger. Okay. Uh, and I wouldn't I, I wouldn't argue that hard. I, I think ballpark. I mean, not ballpark, but uh, team yeah. around Bellinger is so much better too. Uh, so, uh, how much? Wise. Bellinger's probably four years younger. That's also a point in his favor. I think that matters too. Yeah, it's a close call for me. I think I go Yelich right now, but acknowledging in March that may change if I uh, am right. I'm pushing that decision. But I would uh, with their ADPs, like you could be at a, you could be at what a seven eight. Uh, I guess like a six seven turn and take both of them. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. It would be. Uh, just got to hope that you get your closers taken care of by then. Well, yeah, these minor details. Yeah, yeah. It, all, it always it always sounds fun in theory until you realize you have one pitcher and you're like, oh, I can't take any of these guys. Right. Um, speaking of pitchers, somebody. speaking of pitchers, a guy who's down here in the same range, um, Justin Verlander. Uh, ADP is one oh seven. He threw zero innings last year, six innings in 2020. So it's going to be, what is that, you know, like two and a half full years when we've mm-hmm. really seen him pitching. Um, it's weird, though. You look at, like, if you if you look before that, he had 12 of 13 years. We threw 200-plus innings. So it was a uh, obviously a massive horse. It was awesome. In 20, he had 2.58 ERA in 2019, 2.52 in 2018. Or 2018, sorry, 2019 was the other number. Um, elite strikeout to walk numbers, like a K-minus walk of, like, 30%. It was bonkers numbers. Um, he's 38 now. Uh, coming off the Tommy John. So the question is, you know, can he count come back to who he was? How many innings does he throw? Where are you at the price on Verlander at, uh, at 107.80p? Um, I'm there. You know, Chris is, you know, Chris List is all over him at that price. He's always, he's, he's always been team Verlander. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, and he makes a compelling point. The Astros outbid everybody for him 25 million this upcoming year. I mean, yeah. you don't, that's, not that that's something you, that's not a wanton, you know, flighty sort of contract. I know there's no such thing as a bad, a bad one year contract. Well, 25 million is still 25 million, plus it's got a player option for 23. So obviously, they they they're confident that he's going to come back to some sort of decent form. And of course, that's league winning upside if you if he's anywhere close to what it is 2019 form. Uh, obviously, the argument against him is that we don't know what form yeah. he's in. We have, you know, but they've seen him throw. I think they have to have seen him throw. They can't. That's not completely sight unseen. 
And if anybody would know, it'd be them, right? I mean, they, you know, right. they, they know him better than their team. Yeah, the the player option um, vests at 130 innings, so that's going to be. Uh, I, you'd hope he gets way past that number if you're if you're drafting him. And he's, you know, it right. should be far enough away from the Tommy John where he should be, you know, full go pretty soon, at least for spring training. Like I think that that's, uh, you know, it's not like rushing back like you know Chris Sale was last year where we didn't get him back in time and all that kind of stuff. But um, should be ready to go. Um, I think I'm in at the price too. 107 is. Uh, it's definitely a spot where I'm in, I'm fully intrigued with Verlander. All right. Very good. Uh, let's talk about another guy who had some injury issues and uh, signed a contract and has not been good for his new team is Anthony Rendon. Uh, had the huge 2019, uh, then signed with the Angels. Uh, it was kind of blah in 2020. Played most of the season, played 52 games, uh, only nine home runs, two, hit 286, and then 2020 was a mess. Only 200... 40 plate appearances. He had hip surgery in August. Um, hit, but when he played, he only hit 240. He only had six home runs. Uh, K's were up a bit, but still 16.5%. So still a really good strikeout guy. Uh, his ADP is about 109. What are you heck are you doing with Rendon, a guy who's been you know obviously a third, late second rounder last few years, and now is uh, you know is uh, last year and this year is definitely falling back in ADP. I mean, for the pun, I'm triggered to say I'm I, I, you know I want to say Rendon's, but. Um... I'm there for that price. I mean, that's here's the thing. You're getting zero stolen bases, 0.0 stolen yeah. bases. You know, this, uh, it might, you know, the type of injury has could come back, man, that's such a nice discount. And I think we all, we all look at like, okay, they're missing trout. You know, they, they you know, Otani's amazing. Add uh, like a healthy Rendon to that roster. Mm-hmm. It's such a different roster. Um, counting stats could be there galore. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you got those two guys. You got Jared Walsh, who was good last year. Um, as of – he did an interview with, with Sirius XM in early November. He said he'd be fine for spring training off the hip surgery. Mm-hmm. I admit I'm a little scarred in hip surgery after what it did to Matt Chapman, you know, coming back from that for the A's. So, sure. uh, But that's – you know, you can't really compare one guy to another. I don't know exactly what – I'm not enough of a doctor to know what happened there. But that 2019, he had 319, 34 home runs, 126 RBIs. It's hard to find uh, average, you know, at this point in the draft. You know, all the all the high average guys are usually up top anyway. Uh, this is a really fun range, though. I mean, we talked about Bellinger, Yelich, Rendon, Verlander, a lot of like kind of last year's bums and injury guys that are studs that could you could bounce back or you know maybe could be on the downside of careers, but it's, it's a fun range. Fun range, interesting. Uh, there's a lot of bounce back third baseman, Bregman, Rendon, Justin Turner to a certain extent, uh, DJ LeMayhew, uh, Chapman, as you alluded to, Suarez. I mean, these there's a bunch of third basemen that are like. Okay, you're gonna have to roll the dice just a little bit here, yep. or do you pay up for Austin Riley? I mean, that that's that's the kind of question. You know, uh, obviously, there, I, I hear I hear Siege going. What about Mondesi? <laughs> what about Mondesi? Yeah, that obviously, if you need some bases, you go that route. Suarez is another one that was just a total flat tire uh, last year. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a scary position because and then the names start getting kind of like eh, after that, like around 15 or so, and we're going to draft more than 15 third basemen. So you want to get one of those earlier ones, I guess. But there's there's a lot of question marks too. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping Josh Donaldson ADP stays 200 because I'll be in on that for sure. I, I got to tell you, I'm really liking the Jose Ramirez builds when I've done that there. At least at least in the 12 because you're you're locking in third base, you're locking in stolen bases from that spot. Um, there's aside from Monty, there's nobody else in this in this list that's stealing bases. That's right. That's like, right. And I'm saying nobody, like really nobody. Yeah, 
Uh, you're, you're right about that. There. I just scrolled down to the 20th third baseman, and there's nobody. I guess, no, there's just nobody. Machado will get you 10. Yeah, maybe. if he decides uh, he wants to do it. Key Brian Hayes might be a, a guy that gets it there. Chris Taylor qualifies at third, so there's there's some you – know, VR qualifies at third, so that might be sneaky. But, hey, VR's got a sign somewhere, for crying out loud. Does Chris uh, Taylor really qualify at third? I see that – you know, I got to – I got to double check that. I'm looking at just, I saw the listing of positions. But, uh, FBC, second short and outfield. Okay. Okay. So that, that's clearly I, erroneous. Uh, but I, I will. He played, uh, he played 11 games at third base. So it could be, if, he, if it's a 10 qualifier, he's there. If it's 20, it's not. You know what? I'm looking at our custom rankings and it was set at 10. That's yeah. Right. There you go. So, yeah, was, because some, last year it was set at 10. Yeah. In some leagues, in some leagues, he will be third base eligible. And, in NFBC or anything he uses 20, which is probably top wars and labor. There's any, I don't think he will be. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. You're right. Jose Ramirez is a big stolen base edge for sure there. Uh, let's jump down a little bit in ADP. A, a few guys in the, a little bit later, I want to talk about real quick before we jump out of here. Uh, Jared Kelnick is uh, ADP's 135. That's the nine, 10 turn to 15 teamer. Uh, obviously a brutal first year with the Mariners. He hit a 181, which is crazy when you look at it. 377 plate appearances, 14 home runs, six stolen bases. Um, in AAA last year, before he got called up, he hit 320 with uh, nine home runs and 143 plate appearances. Really good. Um, K rate was 28% in the majors. He's never been that high in the minors. He was 26% for a little bit in high A in 2019, but he's never been that big of a strikeout guy. Hard hit rate is about 39%, so a little bit below average. 9.9% barrel, a little bit above average. Um, 216 Babbitt, you got to figure is not going to happen again. He's, you know, he's fast enough. His sprint speed's like 55, 50% off fast enough. He should be okay with that. Average exit velocity though, 20th percentile. He had a lot of issues uh, with hitting the ball hard. Uh, yep. Where are you on Kelnick? It seems like, you know, it's, everybody thought this would be the next guy and it's probably going to come at some point, but do you think it's this year in a redraft? Um, I don't. Uh, I, I think the, the swing and miss is just a big, big, big problem still. Uh uh, that that's the tough part, but yeah, at some point he could just take off, you know, yeah. he could, you know, the thing is, if you want to get Kelmick, you want to do it now before spring training starts, before he starts like murder, death, killing right. some yeah. of these, uh, triple a pitchers that he's yeah, facing he hits, there. He hits three bombs the first week of spring training and that ADP is suddenly not 135 anymore. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. But 135 is actually in the main event is a pretty hefty price to pay. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a top 10 pick guy you're using yeah. every single week all year. Right. At least you know if it doesn't exactly. get hurt. You want someone you want to use. You're, you're taking him instead of a second closer, a third starter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pick that you have you have to like him taking that spot. It's not like you can just kind of be like, oh, I'm going to take Kelly at 135. It's got to be you like him at that. At that yeah, price. I mean, there's a lot of projection in that ranking. I mean, and, and yeah. not like me doing projections, just projecting that he's going to take the next step. I mean. Yeah, you know, people are gonna. Some people will buy in September. Uh, you know, he, he did have a really good month of September. I think he had like an eight fifty OPS in September, if I recall, like what our outlook said on him there. Uh, you know, can, you know, we know that one one month in September isn't necessarily probative. Uh, that especially depending on who you're facing when he's doing that and all that. But yeah. same good, time, we know the sign, pedigree. Though, yeah. We know we know the minor league performance when he did get sent down. He was a destroyer of worlds. Uh, there, there's an argument made by James uh, and others that triple a stats were inflated for hitters last year. So maybe you want to discount that a little bit more than you would otherwise. Is that, uh, uh, is that baseball? Is that teams uh, putting all their good players at double a, all your pitches, double a, what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah. Uh, you know, facing pitchers that had a year off for, yeah. perhaps. 
uh, or just, or, or maybe, yeah, guys that, you know, facing quad A guys or something right. like that, uh, you know, could be a lot of different reasons, but for whatever reason, he's kind of like pumping the brakes a little bit on guys that had massive AAA campaigns. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, it's just not usually the guy type of guy that I take. You're, you're just kind of, you're, 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 you're hoping that you get it the right, uh, you know, he takes off, but you know, you look, you mentioned in September, I mean, he was really good then. You mentioned the 850 OPS. Obviously, he's a huge prospect pedigree guy. I just, uh, I'm probably not going to get there, but uh, I'm not, I'm not totally averse to it yet. Yeah, I, I, yeah, haven't I, I? Right now, I haven't gotten him. Um, and you know, the thing is, like, you, you're going to want, you're going to want to be patient through his slumps and all that. And yep. what if he, they, just like last year, they continue to keep slumping, trying to like see like who else you could go. Uh, in so that range, though. I got I got a guy. The next guy up is I go right Grisham. behind him. Okay. I go Grisham over him. The next yeah. guy I'm talking about is right behind him is Austin Meadows. He's he's six picks later at 141. Uh, weird year last year. Yeah, everybody Gary. thinks he was bad, but he still had 27 home runs, 160 RBI, 106 RBIs. Like, it still helped how you. He was used late. Yeah. Still helps you. He hit 234, only four stolen bases, which is a problem. Uh, and then is it kind of like Yelich? Like his 2020 was terrible too. He had 205 in 2020 after the huge 2019 where he really broke out. Hit 291, 33 bombs, 12 stolen bases, 43 percent hard hit rate. That was down to 37 percent last year. Um, he was bad against lefties. He started platooning late, you know, kind of in the last two months of the yeah. year. Uh, what do you think of Meadows? The price is way better than it was the last couple of years at 141. Um, are you back in at this price? I could see it. I just don't think he. You know, can you can he run at all? I mean that that's going to be one of the big questions is or is that done? I've got him for seven bags. It's kind of a middling in between projection. Uh, man, hit, that, that's hit one hit one ninety eight against lefties last year. Yeah, and you know people were cutting him late. In fact, I think Shu and I grabbed him for the last week in one of our mains just because someone had cut him the week before because they were tired of him not playing a lot. And he kind of changed what he does. Do he hit he hit ten percent more fly balls in twenty twenty one than twenty nineteen? Launch angles way up, and I don't know if he was like selling out for power, or maybe he believed the power boost in th- in, in twenty nineteen at thirty three. But he had five percent less line drives in than twenty twenty one than twenty nineteen, and way more fly balls. So just he was a different. He was a, he was actually a different hitter. If you look at the stats, look at everything. He hit the ball softer. Hit right. the ball more fly balls. Like there's actually a, a tangible change from 2019 to 2021. So that worries me a little bit. Rather than just the you know oh maybe he was just a little banged up and he'll be back. Like he wasn't the same guy last year. And I don't he's still in there somewhere. But I just worry that if he struggles against lefties in the first month, the Rays will have no problem platooning him. Yeah. One thing. Uh, yeah. And I think they're getting even more help in the outfield if Josh Lowe gets the call. I think you know. They're talking about Bruhan in the outfield a little do they, bit too. Do they ever just stop calling up good players? It's freaking maddening. Yeah, it is. It, it well, they're they're a development machine. They are. They're uh, really good at that. Yeah. Um. I the other thing too. Uh. You know, in two thousand, he he got hit by a particularly tough case of COVID. So a lot of talk about how slow he's recovered. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear that talk last season, but I wonder was that perhaps like days where he had less energy or things like that. Right. You know, it makes, makes you wonder a little bit there if there was any sort of long, long, long-term ramifications with him. Uh, every once in a while that does happen. He was kind of an automatic for me when I first looked. I'm like, oh my God, I take him in the second and 10th round. I dug in a little deeper and I'm uh, I'm a little more uh, tepid on it than I was when I when I first saw the ADP. I thought I'd be in for sure. And now I'm uh, I'm not quite as sure. Yeah. It, it's And here's the thing. I mean, it, when we're prioritizing speed early, that leaves us with trying to chase power with guys that have 
flaws like this, you yeah. know, that are batting average risks or platoon risks or things of that nature. It's the nature of the, or, or you get Fran Mill raised and he's only UT only. Um, and you have to just deal with that. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's kind of where we're at with him. Um, I haven't got him yet, but in any case, I haven't gotten Meadows yet, but we'll see if I get him some other time. Two more guys I want to ask you about before we jump out of here. The first is Brennan Rogers, an ADP that jumped out to me at 161. Um, I, at first, I was like, ah, oh, that seems really high. He doesn't really done that much. He's kind of a post-hype guy. But you know, last year, he was hit 284, 15 home runs, 51 RBIs, but zero stolen bases, 20.2% um, K rate, a nice drop from his prior MLB stints. They were kind of short, but it was good to see that uh, you know the strikeouts did drop. Does not walk a lot. Um, you look at roster resource, they have him hitting second, which is obviously a big deal in cores. Like you get a lot of at-bats. His OEP was 328 last year, though. So you have to improve on that on on that to maybe stick there, although the Rockies lineup, who knows what they do there. I think the key with Rodgers that people are looking at is the second half was really good. I think he hit like 296 in the second half. So kind of maybe, mm -hmm. you know, with that post hype, you know, maybe we're seeing the prospects that we thought we're gonna get. The weird thing is the stolen bases. In 2018 in double A, he had 12 stolen bases. Since then, uh, he's been in the majors. He's stolen zero bases in the majors since then, and he's not even attempted a stolen base in his whole time in the majors. Um, so I don't know if he – he had a bunch of injuries. Maybe that they've you know kind of tapped uh, him for stealing bases. Maybe he just wasn't comfortable in the majors. Maybe he's going to get his feet wet and then run. Um, but it's hard to know if you're going to get those maybe 8 to 12 stolen bases you really like to get if you, want, if you like him at this price. Yeah. I mean, he fits the perfect Rockies prospect mode where call him up but then don't really commit to playing him scuffles a little bit and then finally you know he's okay he's now 25 and he's full-time player for the first time or you know in some cases even older like charlie blackman and then they hit their stride i think yep. that's possible with him i i think he you know yeah you're right that the stolen base thing is weird and it's a problem because he's a middle infielder yeah you want to get stolen bases there i guess if you get jose ramirez or you get better yet alberto Mondesi at third base there right. then you got you're making up ground. So then, okay, well, I can live with a middle infielder that doesn't run, but you got to have some category juice. It's got to be power or it's got to be speed usually with one of the two. And Cause I don't think the counting stats will be great. Rockies, even with I don't think this Rockies lineup is going to be all that great. I and mean, of course field will make it look at least league average, but it's, in truth, it's really not. I think it's going to be below average. I'm pretty sure story is going to go elsewhere. He's one of the guys that's unsigned that will we'll see where he lands. No way he's back. Right. I can't see it. He was so pissed at them at the deadline. I have a hard time seeing him come back. I agree. I mean, unless there's nothing else there and they offer him some cash and he like a one year prove it deal, but I think he's going to get some, he's going to get some, he's going to get some. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird lineup. You look at it, it's like Tapia, Rogers, Blackman, Crone, McMahon, and then kind of nothing. Connor, Joe, Sam Hilliard, Garrett Hampson, who we know that I don't really uh, do like, doesn't do much for me. And then the bench yeah. is kind of dead. It's not, it's, it's, it's cores and all that, but it's not uh, not really a lineup where you're like, oh, I'm worried about going to cores and facing these guys. Yeah, uh, they'll still. I, I still worry about pitchers and cores. Even yeah, with, like, just... yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's still. But yeah, I'm not like thrilled. That's the thing. Like, course field makes good hitters elite. It makes pretty good hitters very good. It doesn't make bad hitters good though. Yeah, and and I'm not I think saying the... Rogers is a bad hitter, but I'm right. just saying. You know, I, I just remember the lessons like it's always I uh, it's for, and I know there's extenuating circumstances and the guy I always think about is Ben Petrick, but I'm, I'm yep. sure there's a better example. But, you know, I feel like they had like five catchers in a row that were going to be really good and none of them worked out. Yeah. Petrick had like all sorts of like disease yeah. issues and health issues. So, I mean, it's a little bit different with him. But yeah, point is that they it doesn't it's not a cure all. 
Last guy I wanted to ask you before we get out of here is a fascinating guy. ADP 175 is Ranger Suarez. Um, he was a guy that was a, a really good reliever for the Phillies from mid July, and they started uh, having him start games. Kind of the first four starts, he threw like three innings, four innings, four innings, four innings, and all of a sudden just took off. He started 12 games in August, September. Um, he gave three runs once, two runs twice, and then one or zero runs in the rest of those starts. Like it's just, and granted, the first four of those were under five innings, but after that, they were all over five. Didn't give up runs. Overall, hit 106 innings at 1.360 RA. Uh, the K rate was pretty good, 25.6%. I broke it down. I looked at, like, you know, was he 30% as a reliever and 20% as a starter? He actually wasn't. He was 25% as a starter. So a little bit down for a reliever, but not like, you know, we see a lot of guys that jump to the bullpen all of a sudden that everything sure. rockets up, velocity and strikeouts and all that. Um, I kind of went into this thinking, like, I'm going to find some, poke some holes here. But, you know, hard hit rate was 93rd percentile. He's 31%, 2.6% barrel. Uh, 59% ground balls. So, like, he was talking about 25% and driven 6% ground balls. Like, that's a, not many home runs given up. Uh, where are you on Suarez? AEP's 175. So, I feel like that, you know, for one year of being good, that's pretty fully priced. But uh, I kind of figured I was going to be out on him based on the price. But uh, once I look deeper, I, I don't think I am. I'm all in on him. Oh, I like price. it. Um, right. I think he should be, like, 130-ish. I think the big concern is how many innings he throws. Yeah. But I, I, I don't see a f- red flag at all. I, I tried to find one really hard, and I was like, I was figured I would. You know, usually guys like this, I can find something. Where I'm like, oh, well, that, that's that's why I'm not gonna take him. But I really couldn't get there with Suarez. Yeah, um, I, I maybe it's the Phillies defense will be bad again because that's actually a pretty fair assumption. Uh, but besides that, uh, and you know, speaking towards the ground ball rate, that's not, that's where I'm getting at that. But yeah, I, you know. I, I, I don't think they're going to have, like, if DD is their shortstop again, mm, uh, that's not great. But I think that he's a really solid skills pitcher and he should be fine. Yeah. I mean, he only throws 93, but it's like, okay, he throws that sinker. It's kind of hard going down and that's where he gets all the ground balls. But I kind of yeah. like it. I think it, I think that's 175. That's the, you know, the 13th round in a 15 team or obviously deeper in a 12 teamer. Uh, I'm all for taking him there. I think that uh, I'm interested to see where that price lands. I, I think you might be right. I think he actually might move up a little bit. And, I would uh, predict, and at least in the main events, that he will go pre 150. Yeah. So before the first break, so the ninth or tenth round. I think you. Uh, I would not bet against that. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Intriguing guy though. It's just wild how it just uh, kind of out of nowhere, and uh, he was you know he threw two miles an hour harder with that sinker in 2021 than 2020. So maybe that, you know, you don't throw a ton hard, you know, getting two miles an hour makes a really big difference. And um, he went from people, you know, hitting that sinker pretty hard and nobody hitting it. And, you know, he didn't have a batting average against over 210 on any of his pitches. He throws three pitches a lot too, three pitches over 20% of the time. Um, yeah. I kind of was, uh, you know, one of those people that I thought I'd be out on, but is, again, the joys of digging deep out guys. I, th- I think I'm in at the price. All right. Very good. Anybody else you want to talk about before we jump out of here? Anything else on your mind? No. Um, just busy, busy week. Go Bengals. Who day? And, uh, you know, other than that, so next week we might – I'll talk to you about this, but we might have to do it on Monday morning. Uh, uh, I kind of had already put that in my calendar. Yeah, in fact, no, there's no might be. I, we will have to do it Monday morning, or, you know, you'll have a better guest, a better co-host, I should say, uh, <laughs> along with it there, which is – you know, win for everybody, but that's okay. Yeah, it's always tough on Super Bowl, but then when your team is in it, that's that's really tough. So, yeah. I'm still I'm still not talking about football, though, just so we're clear. Yeah, I know, I know. It's uh, actually, you've had I'm plenty of good, good times with the years. I'm actually I'm actually good on it. Um, as I looked at that game, I, I really think the Rams are a better team anyway. 
maybe so. I actually feel pretty good about that game. The Rams probably should have been up more, up early and up more than they were early. And then it's just, uh, Niners are tough and played hard, but I think the Rams are a better team. Yeah, I, I, I'm nervous about this upcoming game. We've defied the odds before, but I think the Rams are also a better team than the Bengals. But I won't be – I'm going to put on those blinders anyhow on Sunday. Yeah, not being able to block their front four might be tough, but uh, you guys seem to find a way. Yeah, you know, win despite not allowing nine sacks. That's a neat I was going to say, yeah, you get nine sacks and win. Like, who knows? But yeah. and Stop Patrick Mahomes for a two and a half or two, uh, two halves and a little bit of a quarter. I mean, they – Two quarters a little bit more. Twice. Um, twice. Yeah, twice. That I still can't get that game last week. I have no idea what happened. They were 21 points like that, looked unstoppable and didn't score again. It's just it's what? It's bizarre. Gotta like it though. So yeah. well, thanks everybody for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We do appreciate uh, you guys listening all year. If you do uh, enjoy listening to us, you can please rate and review the podcast. That'd be uh, fantastic. Also, it helps us uh, helps us a lot out. Helps people find the podcast. Always a good thing. If you want to follow Jeff on Twitter? He's at Jeff underscore Erickson. I am at Scott Jenstead. Uh, we'll be in there uh, talking baseball, talking sports, whatever we have. We're talking Jeff will probably talking Bengals. So you may want to avoid that for a little bit for another week <laughs> or so. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back at you uh, next week. It might be Monday morning. We'll be back at you next week either way. So take care. Have a good week. We'll talk to you then. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.